Well, well, it's uh, well, well, well. well it's well, good to well. see everybody today. We're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. It's going to be a rough day today, I can tell you right now. If it's you came be a for great some, day. Matt's been out of hand already before we recorded today, so uh, we get in here and laugh. It's also Wednesday, so this is being released today. So whenever you're watching this, if you're watching it today, it's this morning. I guess that could be said for every podcast. <laughs> they okay. will watch it today. Recorded. <laughs> Glad you're watching it today. I warn you guys, this is going to be a rough uh, time. We're not in a <clears throat> very focused mood, I guess you might say. We're a little bit late. I think there's a lot of potential right now. Greg, we're counting on you to steer this back to a good place. I got nothing today, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're counting on me to steer it back in any direction, uh, hold on, boys and girls, this could be interesting. <laughs> well, we know we dove into the second week of our ID series. Look at Matt. It was the second <laughs> Take week. Take it right? away, buddy. <laughs> it was the second week of ID. And you jumped into the book of Daniel. I did, Daniel chapter one this week. Was there something that drove you to Daniel chapter one? That's always been... The Holy Spirit? Yeah, <laughs> just about had it back, Greg. Uh, it was, uh, you know, that, that passage has always <laughs> meant a lot to me. When I was growing up, I'd hear the Sunday school lessons about how Daniel refused to eat the food, mm -hmm. you know, and that was a classic Sunday school lesson about how he ate vegetables and they were eating whatever the king's delicacies were and, and they let him go through a test for several days. And at the end, Daniel and his friends looked better because they stood by their convictions. Always heard that story. Nobody ever really talked about the name changes they did on them. Mm. And when I first discovered that, it's been several years ago, I, I discovered that and studied it a little and found out what the names meant. And uh, a lot of people still don't know today, you know, what we talked about, about how the name change was very, uh, very much an intentional thing to strip them of their godly identities and to place false gods in their identity, in their very names. So that was really real to me. So when we talked about ID, that just kind of jumped out as a place we ought to go. That's cool. Yeah, there, I think most people know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as the wrong names. As their, whatever you want, I guess <clears throat> false names that they were given. Um, so it's interesting, because they still know their God, like they're still pointed to him, but I want, because most people know Daniel as Daniel, which is his godliness. So I'm curious, I know you probably don't have an answer as to why, but... Well, I think uh, I've been asked that question a lot. Daniel, he's known as Daniel because no one's going to title the book Belteshazzar. Nobody's going to do that, you know. So <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they gave him, obviously, the title of the book. Daniel's the subject of the book. His prophecies are a huge part. Mm -hmm. His visions are a huge part of the book. His story, uh, Daniel, you know, spans the life of Daniel from the time he's 17 to the end of it. He's in his 90s, yeah. you know, so... Uh, we talked about how much he spans over this period of time and so many different kingdoms. Uh, the three guys, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and I still struggle to remember. Mm -hmm. As a Sunday school kid, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because right. that's what they were taught. They're only in the story really short. You know, they're there like the first three chapters mm -hmm. you got. Uh, I think it's chapter three. Is that mm -hmm. right? Where the fiery furnace is? Yep. Uh, it's chapter three there. And uh, so they're only there a short time. And, and I don't know. I would, if I could do it over... And I'm not talking about rewriting the Bible anytime ever. But uh, if I could do it over, I would make sure that the Hebrew <coughs> names stayed with them. Mm -hmm. And I think our, I would rather our kids learn those names myself. Yeah. So we tried to kind of highlight those names and mm -hmm. say this is who these guys really were. Because right. they certainly stuck to their identities. You want to talk about those three young men. Um, they, 
they literally went through the fiery furnace, mm -hmm. you know. So they hung on to their identities for sure. Yeah. But for some reason, they, they're remembered by those names because those names are what's used. And in all fairness, too, to the, and this could be one of the reasons, the narrative, when their names are mentioned in the narrative, it is the Babylonians calling out their names. It's right. Nebuchadnezzar calling mm -hmm. out their names. So he's saying, Shadrach, do this, yep. the God of Shadrach, because that's what, how he knew them, and that's what he called them. So I think it's probably true to the story. So yep. those names are mentioned more. But if we're writing a small group curric curriculum or Bible study lessons, I'd rather hear their original names. Yeah, agreed. It's kind of interesting, too, that, and if you just take, take the leap with me, if you will, the fact that we do know them by their, uh, by their false names. There is something to be said, too, for the fact of that, once again, the, you know, I guess you could say their enemy was calling them by their, by their false names, and that's in, ending up what we typically will know them as. And then as we kind of have our own tendency to struggle with identity and uh, false names that have been spoken over us, that's what we lean into. And so there is this struggle to be able to, to break away, to be able to break away from that. So yeah. um, it, it, you have to remember, uh, I think you make a great point there, who's right, you know, what, which perspective are we looking at as far as that story is being told. And when your story is ultimately told, um, what name will you end up being, being known by? What will be the identity that you, that you claim uh, at, the end of the, at the end of your story? Yeah, that's really good, hmm. really good. The other thing that I thought was was interesting that you pulled out for us this week was how what we're seeing happening in the culture and in the world around us is not new. Uh, we, uh, we have a tendency to think about what's happening around us with the struggle with identity right now being is something that's only happening within this generation. But as we can see through through the story of Daniel, man, this uh, it's not a generational thing necessarily, but it is a spiritual uh, adversary that is still using the same old plans, the same old schemes uh, that are at work in trying to change identities, uh, trying to uh, pull people away, distract people away from who God has called them to be, and who God says they are, and allowing them to find their identity and causing them to find their identity in other places and other forms, whether it be through a, a, through a name or confusion within, within your mind. Um, I just thought that, man, that was really powerful for me, uh, just being able to see that that's not, uh, this is not new. It's not. I've said it before that the enemy has a very limited playbook. Mm -hmm. He only knows how to do certain things, and he's done it a long time. You know, those spirits that are in work, at work in the world today, evil spirits, were at work in that world and have been since the beginning, you know, working in the world to try to destroy God's people and the image bearers of God. They're, they hate that, and they're trying to wreck that, and they try the same thing. So you see it over and over. Right. You know, we... We look back on biblical stories and we see, a, we think of a guy bowing down before a statue of an eagle or something and we think how primitive, how stupid, how, how they could do that. And yet we carry around little idols in our pockets. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I mean, like our cell phones, for yep. instance, they don't have to be, and I'm not saying they're evil, but uh, we, we, we give ourselves to much less sometimes. Mm -hmm. The sacrifice of children, yep. that was one of the things that happened in those days, very evil. They would take their children and murder them and sacrifice them to false gods. And we treat the lives of children so lightly, unborn children specifically so lightly, we lay those lives down on an altar to an idol of convenience mm -hmm. for us. You know, we don't, but many do in the culture. So 
those same spirits, they want to destroy kids. There's, there, if you <coughs> look at demonic spirits, they want to destroy kids. You know, Jesus himself, you know, before he was born, in the womb, mm -hmm. persecuted. When he was born, persecuted. They tried to wipe Jesus out. In fact, uh, one of the things we often forget about is when Christ was born, all the boys two years and under around him in that region were, were put under a death sentence and, and many, many thousands of them were killed because the devil was looking for Jesus. Yeah. So the same things are at work in the world today, yeah. yeah. I love that you, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but you said it's on us as a generation to call those things out now so that, so that, so that my kids don't have to wander through that and try to figure it out. And so I've loved, probably my favorite part so far of the series is really just you getting up there and being an example of what it looks like to just speak some hard truths. I feel like you've communicated the heart of Jesus and grace and love and all of that, but also, hey, this is the reality. We're not going to just pretend like it doesn't exist and then watch generation after generation continue <coughs> to struggle through that thing. And that's been on my heart. You, you say something that's on my heart this morning. As I prayed this morning, I was thinking, you know, we're, we're, we're plowing through some things here that's difficult and it's not an easy conversation to have. You know, when you're talking about identity and gender identity and sexuality and all those things, it's such a tough conversation to have. We have got to provide clarity for our children. Mm. We have to provide clarity for our children and how to live, or they're going to live in a world <clears throat> of complete chaos. You know, yeah. if we don't step up, and it's so hard as a leader to do that, the temptation is to stay back off these issues and not talk about these issues and make things easier for yourself. That's really a cowardly way to approach things. I, I want to make a difference in my generation. And if I can just embolden some people to be able to stand up for Christ and for what they believe and for who they are and provide some clarity for the next generation, maybe we can plow through some things exactly as you said that they don't have to. Mm -hmm. I want your children, uh, my grandchildren, our generations before us, you know, I want them to look back on us and say they, they helped turn the tide of some incredible confusion in the land in their day. Yeah. And I think through this series that you are helping to bring clarity, but I think you're also doing something on the other side of that as well, is that uh, while we are on one hand trying to make sure that, that we are empowering people to be able to speak truth and to speak clarity, you're also helping them to do it in the right way mm -hmm. um, as well. You talked about Daniel this past week and how he handled his situation when it came to uh, the testing uh, of his uh, of his diet, so to speak, and how he went and how he knew what he believed, right? He came, he came to the decision that he knew what he believed, and you challenged us to, hey, know what you believe about this. Know, uh, you know, know, know what Scripture says. Know what God's Word teaches about this, and let's, and let's go from there. So know what you believe. But then you talked about how Daniel went respectfully uh, to, his command, to his commander that was over him and asked to be able to, be able to not have to go to the, the, be expected to do the same thing that everybody else was because it went against his belief. And you really uh, nailed down for us, hey, when you go and people in the workplace, for instance, are being asked to do things that are against their beliefs, you said, go respectfully, uh, not demanding, not pounding your fist on the table, which I think can be, we've seen, we've seen a lot of that. I think we claim it as the, the angry Christian, right? We've, 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 seen, we've seen enough of that um, and know that that doesn't necessarily work. Uh, so it is go respectfully um, and ask. And, you know, if, if, if the answer is no, then you've got another decision to make. And we, and we get that. But, hey, let's, let's try going respectfully first because, 
That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the way that Daniel did it. Uh, what's amazing is people have reached out to me. Those conversations are already happening. Wow. Some of them have already been had this week. Wow. People respectfully going to administrators and leaders and saying, this is my Christian faith. This is what I believe. And um, I feel like what I'm being asked to do is compromising my faith. So people are having those conversations already. That's great. And I think it's so good. I don't believe we as Christians have the right to demand everybody around us to become Christian. That's not sure. what this is about. It's yeah. not a conquest. That's not how it works. It's an invitation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, our lives should, should, should inspire people to want to be like Christ and to want to follow the examples we follow Christ. So we don't have the right to demand everybody be Christian. We don't have the right to go into whatever business we work for and demand they do everything according to our faith. We right. just simply don't have that right under the law. Yeah. We do have a right to practice our faith and we do have a right not to be discriminated against because of our faith. And other faiths have that right as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we believe what we believe, and that is the Christian faith. I think that's something that's kind of being lost here a lot of times, that when we stand up for truth, you know, people are uh, persecuting us and saying, well, you, you demand this of me. I'm simply saying this is the Christian faith. This is what Jesus said. This is what the apostles believed. And we're following that faith. And it is who we are as Christians. And, uh, you know, that, that's what we want you to know. But we don't go around demanding everybody behave exactly like we do. We'd love for them to. We'd love for them all mostly to know Christ. But. Yep. Yeah. I think the, and this might be kind of a little bit of a hard left, but like when, when you talk about faith, and I think especially here, we get so used to that being so well known, the Christian faith, that when we actually encounter some sort of confrontation or I don't even want to call it persecution but to, to us sometimes it feels that way it almost makes you go am I doing the right thing and I think that's when your faith is tested it's almost like if you're not running into things like that where is your faith actually at mm -hmm. that's true I think a lot of times and you you said a bit of this we we look on something as persecution that's not persecution yeah. Someone disagreeing with me is not persecution. You know, by and large, the response to this series has been fantastic, but I have had some reach out uh, that disagreed, you know, and none of them were ugly. None of them were, some of them were just questions <coughs> and furthering a conversation. That's yeah. what we lo love. That's why we do these things, yeah. to be able to have further conversations with people. As Christians, we can't get too riled up about persecution, not yet anyway, because we're not experiencing anything on the level that the apostles did. Right. You know, someone putting a post about me on Facebook or you, that's not persecution. That's just social media. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get that whether you're a Christian that's or right. whoever you are, you know. Um, we just have to be willing to live in the midst of this world uh, as light, you know. That's what we're called to be, salt and light, and we have to be willing to live as that. So this series, is the intent is to bring real clarity on some of these issues, and we're going to continue. You know, we're going to be talking the next two times when we're together. Uh, we're going to be talking about Jacob and his um, identity. The, um, the guy in the Bible who had the biggest challenge, I think, to his identity of anybody I know of was Jacob, whose real name was Israel. You know, yep. the name that's in the news today, the name yeah. that's all over the headlines right now <coughs> as we speak. There's a war in Israel, you know, which is a scary thing to even say. Yeah. We've heard of conflict in the Middle East and yeah. conflict in Israel. But when you say Israel is at war, 
That's, that's a scary thing to say. Mm. But that name was challenged in the Bible as much as any name. And it was his true name. And he didn't get to it until he was an older man with yeah. many, many children, had, had achieved so much, and God finally said, hey, here's your real name. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it again. Yep. Thank you all so much. It's been a joy to be with you all. See you again next time. Be blessed.